Hey, this is Dave Zirin. Welcome to the Edge of Sports podcast. This week we are on the road heading from Washington, D.C. to Los Angeles to interview Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. We have so many questions to ask Kareem. Primarily, we are going to focus on why it is now, at age 68, he has become such an important and vibrant political voice. His columns about U.S. politics going viral. Now, Kareem was a very outspoken activist athlete in his late teens and early 20s, and now he's an outspoken activist athlete in his late 60s. We're going to talk to Kareem about what happened to the decades in between and why he's chosen right now to speak out. In addition, we're going to ask him your questions as well. I already put this up on Facebook. Please go there. The Facebook is facebook.com slash edge of sports. Put down the question you want to ask Kareem. I already got some great ones here. Just here's an idea of some of the things that we're going to ask Kareem. We're going to ask him everything from uh, what J.D. Tucker said, which is, does he wish he did anything different as an activist athlete? To Dan Colbert, who wanted to know, do professional sports do more harm than good to America in general and black youth in particular? To Marty Beck, who wants to know what it was like for Kareem to spar with the legend Bruce Lee. Oh, I love this. To Bijan Bain, he wrote... In his October 1969 My Story for Sports Illustrated, Kareem wrote that UCLA was a mistake. Can you ask him why and what the male response to that revealing personal story was like? My goodness, I might have to ask that as well. And then lastly, Don Brown, who has the great question for Kareem, did Murdoch have the fish? And if you get that reference, you're my peoples. If you don't get that, you're my producer, Dan Bloom. But it's all good because, I, my goodness, I'm just so excited to talk to Kareem about everything from Donald Trump to athlete activism to the Missouri players picking up the torch today to why he chose to stand with Muhammad Ali way back when, 40-plus years ago. And I'm also going to bring to the table uh, my out-of-print, utterly dog-eared 1983 copy of Giant Steps, uh, which is Kareem's autobiography. And here's another little point from Kareem's memoir. Uh, He happened to grow up about a 15-minute walk from where I grew up on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. So I also want to talk to him about how New York City has changed over the decades. I'm just so excited about this. I hope you hear it in my voice. Please subscribe now to the Edge of Sports podcast on iTunes or Stitcher so when the show drops, bam, you get it right away. And you can find all the information about this and previous shows at edgeofsportspodcast.com. Before I leave you and we fly directly into the torrential rainstorm that will greet us in Southern California, I know people in uh, L.A. are very grateful for that rain. I don't know if we're that grateful uh, to be flying into it, but hey, you're welcome. But before we go, I actually would be remiss if I didn't read my column from this past week because at this show, Edge of Sports, we talk about where sports and politics collide. We talk about the intersection that does exist between these two worlds. This absolutely exploded over this Christmas, New Year's Eve holiday break with 
the non-indictment of the police officer who killed 12-year-old Tamir Rice in Cleveland and followed by the non-comments by Cleveland's most famous resident, LeBron James, which started a hashtag movement called No Justice, No LeBron that was utterly criticized from coast to coast. And I wrote about that. Uh, First of all, for those who don't know, this hashtag, No Justice, No LeBron, was started by a Baltimore-based journalist and activist named Tariq Torre, who I'm just going to vouch for right now on the air and tell you that he's a serious guy and he's serious about what he does. And this call, No Justice, No LeBron, aimed to, quote, call on LeBron James to lead a collective sit-out on Martin Luther King Day in solidarity with Tamir Rice and his family. Now, this demand caused a biblical sized backlash against Tariq Torre and everybody who retweeted this request. And this backlash involved one of the most bizarre combinations and makeshift coalitions I've ever seen on social media. It involved, first of all, people who love LeBron James and thought the hashtag was an effort to shame or pressure him and would not stand for any criticism of the great King James. It involved people who despise the Black Lives Matter movement, particularly some of the young leadership who embraced this call. But then it also comprised people who stand with this struggle 1,000%. But think in the words of my friend Professor Lou Moore, quote, the idea of attempting to force a black man into doing anything seems an awful folly for activists to pursue, end quote. Now, to be clear, I strongly agree with Lou Moore and countless others that the idea that black athletes have some kind of greater responsibility to speak out after such an egregious injustice as what happened to Tamir Rice is just grossly unfair. I've written repeatedly, and people can check uh, and Google and see the proof of this. I have written repeatedly that it's long past time for white athletes to be put on the hot seat. Ask Kevin Love. Ask Matthew Della Vadova to sit out. Ask them all. Their hometown police just murdered a 12-year-old kid. It shouldn't be business as usual in the wake of such a tragedy. But the call for LeBron to sit out one game contains a measure of strategic genius that people who stand with Black Lives Matter yet disagree with this hashtag should take seriously. First and foremost, it is highly disingenuous to pretend that LeBron James is just another athlete, especially in Cleveland, and is being asked to boycott solely because of the historic burden foisted upon black athletes to do more than just play. LeBron hasn't just asked for this weight. He's demanded it. He has dramatically commented on other racist killings, organizing the Miami Heat to pay tribute to the late Trayvon Martin, and having most of the Cavaliers last year wear I Can't Breathe shirts after the Staten Island police choked Eric Garner to death. LeBron has spoken repeatedly about his desire to be a global icon like Muhammad Ali, that's a quote, and his dreams of, quote, dunking on George W. Bush. He even uses the incendiary public enemy track Welcome to the Terror Dome in his new Samsung commercial. Check the record and record in intentional wreck. Played off as a minarek. Made the call, took the fall, broke the laws. Not my fault that they fallen off. Known as fair square throughout my years. Saw I growl at the living foul. Black to the bone, my home is your home. But welcome to the Terror Dome. But the fact that Tamir Rice was killed in Cleveland makes the connection to LeBron all the more acute. Upon choosing to leave Miami, the comfort of South Beach, and return home to Cleveland, this is what LeBron said to Sports Illustrated. He said, quote, 
This is not about the roster or the organization. I feel my calling here goes above basketball. I have a responsibility to lead in more ways than one, and I take that very seriously. My presence can make a difference in Miami, but I think it can mean more where I'm from. I want the kids in Northeast Ohio, like the hundreds of Akron third graders I sponsor through my foundation, to realize that there's no better place to grow up. Again, LeBron has asked for this weight, and there is nothing wrong with Tariq Torre, inspired by LeBron's conscience, to ask him to act upon the killing of one of the precious, quote, kids in Northeast Ohio, end quote. Tariq Torre's implicit point is, if you're going to use public enemy, and you say you want to be the Ali of the 21st century, people are going to ask you to back that up. Or as Tariq Torre wrote more eloquently, quote, The reason I went as far as to ask you to sit out is because every bit of empathetic work you have done makes you the archetype for this sort of leadership. Whether it be hoodies, t-shirts, or fourth quarter comebacks, your energy commands allegiance, end quote. Now, there's an indispensable Twitter feed, one that I follow called Prison Culture, and they commented negatively on the hashtag, writing, quote, go tell white athletes to show some solidarity on the matter of Tamir Rice. Enough. This is a problem of whiteness and its deadliness, end quote. But keep in mind that the motivation for this initiative is precisely rooted in the belief that those in power, as well as the mass of Cleveland sports fans, are blithely ignoring this injustice. The hope is that LeBron, with all of his fame, can puncture privilege and tear the blinders off those who care more about a Cavs championship than a police murder of a child and get people to see Tamir Rice. If one agrees that all people need to confront the reality of this killing and all the police violence that dots this country, consider that Tariq Ture alone, with no help from LeBron, has been able to put this discussion on ESPN, on popular sports websites, on the network news, and on sports radio. On this podcast. And on this podcast. In other words, in front of white eyes and ears. Most of these commentators derided the call, not on this podcast, but sure as hell on a whole lot of others. And they defended LeBron like he's this fragile flower who might wither in the face of a hashtag. Whatever. Look, millions of readers and listeners had to reckon with the death of Tamir Rice amidst the New Year's college football bowl coverage and see the face of a child the mainstream media and Cleveland politicians wanted to relegate to the holiday shadows. And that's because of Tariq Torre. That's the power of sports as a megaphone for issues that transcend the playing field. The hashtag comes from a place of love and struggle and a desire for change. Now, are activists using LeBron and using sports to project their issue to a higher cultural plateau beyond sports? Absolutely. Do people in power use sports all the time to advance nationalism, U.S. militarism, sexism, and in the case of a certain football team in my hometown, racism? You betcha they do. So let's make it plain. The lovers of LeBron will always defend him. The haters of Black Lives Matter will always find an excuse. But the people who want to see change should see athletes as potential and powerful allies. If we don't engage them with the world outside the athletic bubble, then inside the bubble, they shall remain. I just want to throw one thing on top of that that's been on my brain. We've talked a lot on this show about Missouri 
and the athletes there who went on strike against racism and toppled a university president. And we've talked on this show about the power of the football team precisely because on a campus that's 7.7% African-American, the football team is 69% African-American, and they were able to win their white teammates to stand with them, potentially cost the college a million bucks a week, and get the school president to resign. Now, think about this for a second. Why is it that the Missouri football players chose to stand with the general students on campus. I've interviewed some of these players, and they largely, because of the bubble that big-time college sports athletes are in, did not have the same set of experiences as black students on campus, didn't have to deal with the same kind of racism, didn't have to deal with the same kind of crap that regular students on campus did. That's part of one of the privileges of being a highly exploited college athlete. You get selected classes, you're treated better, you're in different dormitories, you have your own cafeterias. It's a different kind of life. But why did they take that stand? They took that stand because black students on that campus chose to engage with them and chose to talk to them. They didn't demand that they go on strike. They dialogued with them about why they were doing everything from refusing to eat to refusing to go to class to picketing to sitting in. They spoke to them about that fact. Now, what if when they decided to talk to the football team, someone had said, hey, wait a minute. They they have no responsibility whatsoever other than to play football and to get their scholarship. On one level, that's true. But it's also, to me, highly condescending to think that that is the limits of what an athlete can do. It's incredibly condescending to say something like, LeBron James doesn't owe you shit, which was the headline at one website. It's not about what LeBron James owes. It's about respecting LeBron James as somebody who has said time and again that he wants to be part of positive change in this world. Do we want to engage with him and take him on his word that he wants to make this change? Or do we just want to clap and kiss his ass when he puts public enemy on his Samsung commercial and signs a half billion dollar contract with Nike in the same week? I don't think we should just be putting demands on black athletes at all. I think we got to get beyond that 1960s mindset. I think we have to instead say this is the two o'clock emergency phone call time in the history of U.S. democracy. We are either going to engage everybody about what it means to build a world worth living in or we're going to sit on our butts and be content for people to do what they do. I'm so impressed with Tariq Touré that he braved this backlash and dared to stand up for something that he believed in. I'm so impressed with everybody who chose to defend him in the face of the withering commentaries that occurred across the media stratosphere. And I think it's worth remembering that even if you disagree with the hashtag, please ask yourself the question, which side are you on? If you're on the side of seeing positive change, you can disagree with the tactics, but still stand with the people fighting for it. The Just Stand Up Award this week goes to Tariq Ture for doing his thing and for putting this hashtag forward. That's all we got for this week. We're heading off to L.A. like lickety-split quick to talk to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. That'll be next week's show, the interview in its entirety. If you have questions that you want me to ask Kareem, send it to edgeofsports at slate.com or hit me up on Twitter at edgeofsports or on the Facebooks. You can contact me through those same mediums. Remember to subscribe to the show on Stitcher and iTunes or at edgeofsportspodcast.com. We are out of here. Peace. Peace.